Oh man, so I went through I was fifteen years old, uh, in my buddy's trailer with a loaded gun in my head and I actually squeezed the trigger and the bullet never came out. Mike check, mic check, what's going on? Welcome into another episode of the KZ Community Beat. I'm your host, Ross Martinez. In the hot seat this week, I got Kenneth Godbolt the third. A lot of things on his plate, but the few things he is extremely passionate about. He is an amazing father. He is an advocate for suicide prevention, mental health. He travels doing motivational speaking and does so much more. So without further ado, here we go. Enjoy the episode. So have you ever had that experience where you lost your identity? Oh, yeah. So you know how that is. Like you have the insecurities. You have the inward thoughts, the emotion aspect. And you're trying to find it and figure it out. That's exactly. What was it like? I think it was. How about it? Yeah, it's been a year and a half. This, this summer it'll be two years, but I tore both of my patella tendons. So How? Uh, jumping on a trampoline. <laughs> you too old for this, brother. <laughs> hey, man, this? I'm only 39. That was what, a summer and a half ago? Yeah. Uh, no, you, you passed 35. Yeah, you got, but I'm you saying got that's a young man's sport. It's yeah. My, well, my niece was like, my niece was like, uh, do a, uh, she wanted me to do a, yeah, she wanted me to do a backflip. And so I went to, try to do the flip and you know how you do it one two on that third one they both just snap bro oh, <laughs> so I, so i was in the hospital and like i was i couldn't walk for probably about six seven months but i was in the hospital for six weeks between that yeah so because they wanted everything to be able to heal that part so yeah Yo, spending that much time in the hospital that's gotta give you that cabin fever oh man and like so it's funny because when so I'm being the assistant superintendent at the juvenile detention center. And when I was going through a custody battle, obviously you wanted, you know, to share custody 50, 50. And the best way to do that was for me to get back on the road, travel and speaking, you know, when I didn't have them. And so I actually, uh, stepped down from opposition and that was in for like mental health purposes. Just uh, to make sure you were good. No, nah, I wanted to, uh, just go for my schedule was booked. So I was going to be flying. So I didn't have time to do both jobs. So like I had two speaking engagements lined up a week. So I was like flying out, coming home, do daddy stuff. Yeah. Once I get them back with their mom, I got to fly out again Everything. to go speak. So I had it all set up. COVID came. <laughs> right. So everybody around me, they like, yo, like, why did you make that decision? Like you crazy, you crazy. And like, I'm, I'm believing like, nah, this is what I'm actually supposed to do. And the funny thing is, I think I made more money during COVID than I would have if COVID would have never came. Really? Yeah. So it was, it was, cra it was it's crazy. It's kind of crazy, like the blessing and the redirect. Yeah. yeah. That's but something that we never really understand until we out the moment. Yeah. You know? Well, most people are afraid of adversity, right? Well, so, yeah, because it rocks the comfort zone that yeah. you're in. Like you said, they fired you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, not really. It was yeah. like a, hey, thanks, kid. Yeah. Future endeavor. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, uh, <laughs> there's a door. We ain't, we ain't holding it, but we ain't kicking it. You know, yeah. like, it's worth that. the one thing that didn't change in that whole situation was what? Your gift? <laughs> your talent? And yeah. look where it landed you at, right? I know. So now you're, like, you're able to do what you wanted to do on a whole nother level. Bro, when I tell you they they have a lot of trust in me. Which makes me, in turn, be 10 times, 20 times, 100 times more creative and passionate about what I'm doing. Yeah. You're like, all right, no, we trust you. Go ahead, do this. <laughs> I go check into my boss. I'm like, yo, Scott. He's like, you're good. Wow. <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool. And I didn't have that in my last place. Yeah. And so just imagine if COVID would have never came, where would you be? 
oh, yo, mentally, I was frustrated at that yeah. time. Yeah, you still be that stuck. Yeah, I spent yeah. like 10 years in that last place, and I felt like I was just getting crumbs. And mind you, that wasn't just them, but that was also me. I wasn't prepared for the moment. Right. Like, you ever, you ever get something, and then in that moment, you're not the right individual in the moment to be in that moment? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. It's like imposter syndrome. Yeah, and I, I remember, like, I was, uh, so, it's funny, when I took over the assistant superintendent job over at the juvenile attention center um there were people that interviewed for the position that were there 18 years that were there a lot longer than me and my boss at the time decided to choose me for that position Dang. so the hate was real bro <laughs> like, well, like take me through that so like, like in your mind you know all these other cats may be home pick homegrown got the years got the network that's the network you know yeah and then here you are coming in bright eye but you like i'm gonna do a great job yeah came in ready you know what i mean and i had to deal with a lot of hate in that process like yeah. people didn't like me started rumors there's a lot of gossip there's a lot of just a lot of things going on but i understood that i was there for the kids uh -huh. so you put me in a room full of broken teenagers but i'm like that's a lifeline so while everybody else is walking around sad like i'm coming into the juvenile attention center pumped up so what makes you want to help broken kids? I mean, I was broken myself, right? Ooh, we uh, get it. We get it. Yeah, it. let's like get it. let's get into it. Because you're, um, you're not originally from Peoria. Nah. You're originally Florida, right? Yeah, originally from Florida, man. So Ooh, Florida uh, man, There's grew so up many in, jokes you can crack on that. Oh, one. let's get. <laughs> it. <laughs> uh, I'm originally from uh, Orange Park, Florida, which is right next to Jacksonville. Spent the time in both areas. Okay. Um, so I grew up in a neighborhood called Florida Circle. Uh, it was the only all black neighborhood. Um, in our county, and was so, that by by design or? Oh by man, I don't know. <laughs> it was just we put them all right here. Yeah, good. literally. Yeah, literally. Right. So, oh, um, but I grew up, man. My my mom was a drug addict, and my dad was an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. uh, so, the day that I actually came home from the hospital, when I came home from the hospital, my dad uh, tried to kill my mom, and so my dad actually didn't want me at that time. Um, and so my mom young, 18, I'm her second kid. Uh, so I was, I always say from birth, like I was actually, I was rocked. So yeah. like there was always this assignment for me not to find purpose. You know what I mean? So Just you're always on, um, rather than thriving, you're always on, um, surviving survivor mode. Yeah. I was in survivor mode. So, um, fast forward, like, uh, you know, my mom, being a drug addict didn't date the most <laughs> amazing man she didn't have good selective services <laughs> oh no not at all bro and so uh i just remember being a five-year-old kid uh my mom boyfriend locking us in this room and threatening to threatening to kill us what? and so yeah and so like now you have vivid vi like, I, I can tell you, you close your eyes you I, I see it what happened when i still remember the red rag i remember the green lighter i remember him he was like six seven Right. I remember him like beating my mom like she was a a dude and being a five. I couldn't do anything. So here I was crying. He turns around, looks at me and he was like, shut up, you little sissy. You just letting it. In. Yeah. And that rocked me because I was a young man that couldn't defend my mom and him being a grown man. At that point in time, I was like, yo, like, like you winning right now. But at five years old, I remember putting in my head like you know what when i when i grow up and i get old enough like i'm gonna kill you <laughs> like yeah i was emotionally he had you at that point yeah i was i was gone so my mom uh my mom ended up probably like a few months later my mom ended up going to prison 
um, for drug possession or whatever. And so I live with my grandma. And she had her own demons that she's going Oh, yeah. Through. I mean, yeah. she's a young mother at 18. Oh, yeah. Man, it gets deep, bro. It gets deep. So uh, as long as as much as you want to uncover, yeah. I'm oh, we gonna, to yeah, no, nah, we're going to chop, bro, because I think this is something that a lot of people are afraid of. Right. So my focus is healing. Mm-hmm. You know, anytime you have a conversation with people about uh, what goes on in the communities, you know, it's easy for us to see the, the gun violence. Right. It's easy, easy for us to see uh, people addicted to drugs. Uh, I'm a why man. I want to mm-hmm. know why they're doing those things or why kids are behaving the way that they are. You know, and the reality is it's that internal pain, right? Like you can't go in and clean up a community without first wanting to clean up the people. Right? Understanding because understanding why there is trauma. Understand why that trauma. That 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 factor is something that people don't talk about. And so, you know, I'm bold about that because yeah. I know I wouldn't be where I am today if I would have never uh took the time to deal with my own trauma, my own demons, right? Yeah. Um it's funny you say that. So after the after being like sexually assaulted as a kid, uh several times by three different people, I thought it was normal behavior. So, mind you, I was I would go to school, but I was having flashbacks of all the trauma while I was sitting in the classroom. So, you PTSD as oh, you trying to grow. It was crucial. So I couldn't pay attention. So they were putting me in like special ed classrooms. You a problematic child. Oh, yeah. And and I was I was I was bad. I'm not going to like, you know, what I'm saying like I was uh, I just had a lot of trauma. So it wasn't until uh, my eighth grade coach looked at me and he said, you gifted, you talented because I could play sports. He was like, but I didn't understand. I don't understand why you behave the way. And we sat there and he heard my story out, freed me. For the first time, I was in eighth grade that I ever had the opportunity to talk to somebody about what I had seen and experienced. But mind you, coming from the hood, I had to do it in a way that nobody else would get in trouble. So I didn't really tell them who. I just had to tell them what I was feeling. It's crazy because in in our neighborhoods, you snitch. Now you look, even if it was done upon you, Mm -hmm. because you're talking about it, uh, why why can't you just own up to it, do your own thing? Yeah, It's crazy. Yeah, but when you think about that, though, here's what I tell people. When someone comes in to hurt you mm-hmm. or cause you pain, they know what their actions are doing to you. So they're coming in with the intentions to hurt you. Because there's no way that when you sexually abuse someone or molest someone or beat a woman or beat a man, because it goes both ways nowadays, right? There's no way that you do that and not know what you're doing. Is there just plain devil's advocate? Is there ever a chance in those moments where those people are just so self indulged that they don't they don't take time to understand that? Not I mean, trying to give them a yeah. pass, but trying to understand. No, absolutely. Like that. a lot of times, it's something that's happened to them, so it became normal uh-huh. behavior, conditioning. Right? Yeah, conditioned to do that, but it still doesn't make it right. No, of course not. Right, and so like my thing is, you have to be willing to actually look at yourself and say, hey, like. I need to work on this. Like mm-hmm. I need to heal. And like, that's one of the things that like I did it. It, it was, <laughs> it was hard, bro. It was, it was hard. Like the one thing I t- tell people oftentimes is we all want to go on this healing journey, but it's a, it's a tough and it's a hard journey. What's the hardest part of it? The hardest part is for me was having to relearn how to live because mind you growing up in the hood, like everything I saw, I thought was right. 
Yeah. Like if I saw a grown man messing with a young girl, I thought like, yo, that's that's normal behavior. When I get to college and I sit across from this therapist, a little short white lady, and she tells me, hey, man, like everything you going through and what you're telling me should have never happened to you. That's not right. So my think about being a 22 year old dude sitting across this lady in college playing yeah. ball. And she tells you this. Right. And that actually hurt me at that time more than the other stuff, because I was like, OK, cool. This wasn't right now what to do with it. I don't know what to do. So it was put on your plate. And yeah. Now you're like, so how do I, now I got to go through life and figure out what's right. Relearn, relive. You know what I mean? And that was, I mean, that was tough. That's probably one of the, I mean, <laughs> like it was tough, bro. But Cause it's all, you're looking inwards and you're, you're providing the love you never had. Yeah. Anyway. One of the hardest parts was, um, the forgiveness piece, bro. To who? Yourself? Uh, man, myself. And to the people that hurt me the most, like, I feel like my mom hurt me the most. Right. So I was in college and my mom lived with full blown AIDS for 13 years. Yeah. And so she wasn't supposed to live as long as she did. Well, you said your story starts on. No, oh, man. Well, yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> now so, we're in it. Yeah. So uh, she lived like that for 13 years. And so I got, when I was in college, I got the call and I had to go home. But a year before that happened, I remember driving to my hometown because I, I couldn't let it. It was just weighing on me. And I said, man, I got to forgive my mom. Yeah. Like I pulled in the room and I said, I know that we didn't have the best of life. I know that like you were going through some things as well. I said, but I have to forgive you because I can't go on living with the hate that I have for you. And I forgave my mom. And so that last year and a half of her life was dope you were able to mend before oh man man so when she got sick i was with her for six weeks as she was dying so i sat by my mom's side and i was able to let my mom leave this earth like knowing that the son she hurt loved her enough to take care of her and she were able to die in peace bro oh that's beautiful like man. bro we laughed we cried and in that i got to hear her story when she began to say, like, when I was a little girl, I was molested. You know, she said, I always wanted to take care of y'all, but I was running from, like, my own demons. You know, so now I, I now I can't hold that against you anymore, Mom. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I, I got to free you because I know that, like, you were going through your own things as well. Wow. And But, man, that last month and a half was worth it. So it erased every other thing that I had ever experienced. Like, the, because the forgiveness, like, when I tell you, like, that weight that left me, yeah was crazy right and so my father i had to forgive him as well but my daughters are what made me go through that process it wasn't because uh we went home to my niece's graduation i took them with me and uh my granddad uh my dad which is their grandfather would often call they would talk to him on the phone they would have conversations and so uh they didn't know him like i know him. i knew him as a dude that would call me on friday say hey i'm coming to pick you up but never show up. So I was sitting by the door with my suitcase pack and you never showed up. So when I see him, that's what I saw. They never got to experience that. So when we got out of the, when we got out of the car, they saw their grandfather who still drinks to this day and who was drinking right before we got there. They didn't care. And it was I not, it was something new. They it was something. Yeah. They didn't know any of that. Hmm. So when they got out of the car, they ran to him and hugged him and loved on him. Grandpa. And I, and I would, yeah. And I was sitting back here like, man, y'all don't know that man like that. So and then I, inward defensive, yeah, like, oh, y'all yeah. don't, he ain't that good. But the thing that struck me was the thought popped in my mind. 
if you ever want to have a relationship, if you ever want to have a relationship with your dad, you're going to have to be able to look at him in the eyes of your daughters and how they see him. Ooh. Bro, it rocked me. And so now, like, we have a dope relationship because I don't see all that anymore. I, I was like, yo, I told him straight up, I forgive you. Like, that I takes just, a lot to man, someone like that. It, it, it does, but I don't think people understand the freedom that comes with it, right? Like, if I would have never forgave my mom and my dad, I wouldn't be the, the father I am today, right? Like, because I would still be carrying that through life with them. If I would have never took the time to actually heal and go through that process, then I couldn't be the dad I am today. Because you be the individual you are yeah, to the community. Yeah, at all. So when I walk around, it's like there's that freedom. And I can walk in a room and I can tell when people are oppressed by things that they've gone through, right? But one, oh. the one thing I tell people often is that when they hurt you, it was a moment or several moments throughout your life, right? So if that is the case, why would you allow them to control you for the rest of your life? Hmm. So now they got control of me because I'm thinking about what you did or how you did these things to me. I'm not thinking about like my freedom. So that's interesting how you word that. Yeah. Like I have to forgive you for me because I don't want you to control my life for the rest of my life. Yeah. That's (laughs) well, because like whenever you hold on to something, it's the old adage where like, all right, when someone hurts you, take it as a parallel to you holding a hot piece of coal mm-hmm. you could throw it at somebody or you could hold on to it or you could just drop it mm-hmm. but that third option is so hard for a lot of people that have been through traumatic experiences yeah just to drop it let it go because a lot of times people that have trauma ptsd you have high functioning anxiety mm-hmm. um you you're a war reward is what they call it and so inwardly you're always harder on yourself um, so like, you, did you have those experiences where you were like really hard on yourself before you finally let that go? Oh man. So I went through, I was 15 years old, uh, in my buddy's trailer with a loaded gun in my head and I actually squeezed the trigger and the bullet never came out. And to this day, we don't understand why the bullet never came out. You, you're not going to fly by that. Yeah. Yeah, That's- absolutely. <laughs> 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 like, yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah. So it malfunctioned it didn't happen Mm-mm. we still don't to this day bro to this you, day you a man of faith oh man absolutely yeah yeah you feel like that was god saving you for a higher oh purpose? all day all day so Be- take take me through that so like like mentally mentally when that happened i was 15 and i was like hey i don't want to live i don't want to uh i don't know how to deal with this pain i ain't got nobody i could talk to i don't know where to run i don't know where to go like i'm just tired because the flashbacks aren't stopping and I'm in the hood still. And so the pain is just getting greater and greater every single day, because if I'm not going through anything, my family or my friends are all going through things at the same time. I was like, yo, I I just don't want to live. And so I just remember being in the trailer, the gun was sitting on this little glass table. I grabbed the gun. I put it to my head. I looked at my homie. I said, man, sorry, you got to see this, but I got to go. I can't deal with this. And I just went and the gun never didn't go off. What'd you guys say? He just looked at me. And I just looked at him and I said, don't ever tell anybody about this situation. And he was like, I won't, man, but what's going on with you? You know, we brothers, like, I mean, we homies, you know what I mean? He's like, you never talk about this stuff. And I was like, man, we all go through the same stuff. What are we going to do for each other? You know? And so I made it through that situation, but it didn't. And then probably two years later, I was like, things got heavy again. You know, and I'm 17 at the time and I'm 
I'm scared to graduate high school. I'm scared to go to college. Like I'm scared of success because I know I got these inner demons that I can't go and get off my chest. And I just remember I popped two bottles of pills, right? And my one of the guys that I was in high school with drove back to my house, grabbed me, and they, they took me to the hospital. And when I got to the hospital, they were just like, took me to the, I think it was like the fifth floor. <laughs> and I went to the fifth floor and I spent like two days there. And they were like, oh, you're going to be good. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And everybody looking at you before this could never tell. You couldn't tell. Were you just carrying a smile around? Oh, yeah. I had a smile, man, because I said to myself that, like, life couldn't get any worse. Hmm. But at the same time, I didn't know how to go through life and live free. So, like, when, when you're having flashbacks and those moments never, ever, ever leave you, right? Yeah. So those moments never leave you. And they're there. And so it was very interesting like I had to walk through that journey. And so like, as you said, man of faith. So I actually went to uh, school to become a pastor because I wanted people to be able to, I will, I wanted people to be free more than I wanted myself to be free. And so I, I actually got caught up more in the religion. That was more my scapegoat and not my freedom. So that was just a place for you to, not drop your worries, but to distract you from them in a way. Oh yeah, but fast forward, I end up getting uh, a job at a church called Crossover Church in Tampa. I became a youth pastor there, and I was working in the community. Um, married, life is good, life is great. I'm in the hood, loving it, loving the kids, loving the people, um, and going through hella marriage issues, bro. Like, you know what I mean? Issues and... Is it because y'all weren't a match or because you still had a lot of work to do? I mean, at that point, it was both of us that had a lot of work to do, right? Isn't it interesting sometimes where, like, you can get paired with somebody, you're both broken, and mm -hmm. you still try your best, mm -hmm. oh, but yeah. it's just not good. It ain't good. But, again, mm -hmm. like, if I would have focused on healing myself prior to going into that relationship, then I could have saved both her and out of damage right that's easier said than done i've uh, been in that yeah, situation yeah it's easier said than done but to know what my value is right to know mm -hmm. what my worth is when i heal there's just certain things i'm not going to tolerate right yeah. when, I, when, I, down, when you got yeah, i yeah i put my down. foot down and but yet i love better you know what i mean because the truth is i never really experienced that love from my mom so I'm thinking I'm wanting my girls to give me that love. I wanted my relation, and they can't do that. They were never meant. They weren't created to be my mom. See, that was my problem. Yeah, <laughs> that, oh, I'm I'm in the I'm in the part now where I'm learning that. Yeah, I'm out of a thing. I'm here now, and I'm understanding how to give myself the acceptance. Yeah, which it's intense. Yeah, it's intense, bro. And so, like when you when you think about it, uh, I was just thinking about this morning. I was strolling through all the reels and you know, when you, when you see the reels and everybody's talking about relationship, right. But the, the main thing that people talk about is the intimacy part of that relationship. Mm -hmm. And so it's like girls thinking that they have to show themselves to, to be loved and guys thinking that you got to be macho to, to get women. And that's the culture that we created. Right. But what a lot of women don't understand is there are men like us who is like, I just want somebody to be down. 
Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I'm not worried about you looking like Miss Instagram or nothing. Mm. Like, I want to know that. Like, you got my back and I got your back. Right. Full and honesty, that full, full honesty. And we can walk through this life together. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And it's, it's funny because it's hard to find that in today's time. It's interesting because it is hard to find, but at the same time, everybody's promoting that that's what they want to find. Mm-hmm. So somewhere there's a disconnect in our society and our wants and also needs. Yeah, you don't want to find it, though. Huh? What do you mean? Oh, <laughs> uh, this is a perfect break. Welcome into the pods. Or no. <laughs> Welcome into KZ1023's Community Beat. We've been talking. I forgot the intro of the pod because the conversation's so good. My name is Roz Martinez. I'm your host. Uh, right in front of me here is Kenneth God Bolt. Kenneth Godbolt. Yeah, the third. Yeah, I'm the third, man. <laughs> we, we talking. Yeah, we, we talking. Oh, but yeah. yes, let's bring that back real quick. So you were saying that it's it's hard to find because why i think it's it's hard to to find that because wanting something hmm. and knowing you need something is two different things oh like so so for me i'm very involved in the community i'm very involved with traveling speaking doing those things right like i have to have a strong woman when i come home I'm not Ken the speaker. I'm not Ken the community organizer or doing these events and, you know, fighting for the young people. Like, I'm Ken. So when I come home, I got to be able to be just your man. Mm. So when we go on dates and stuff like that, like, it's, it's it's just you and I. It's not you and I and everything that I do. Now, don't get me wrong. There are people that may come to the table and want to talk to us or whatever, but that's fine. Just understanding that like, there's, there's a separation with that, right? Like, I, I want... I want both. Right? So what you want is love. What you need is acceptance. Oh, yeah. Because I always looked at it like this. Like, as a man, you can go out here, you can do all this great stuff. But if you come home and home ain't great, nothing that you did on the road, nothing that you did in the world, it, it's it's not good. This is a duality, too. Of it. You can have a great home life, but if your ba- work balance isn't also good, oh, it yeah. deters you kind of a little bit as an individual. Yeah, so most people know that. So I, I have fifty fifty custody of my daughters, right? So on the days that I have them, you can't book me. So except for today, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> no, like yeah, today or if like, but if if it's a weekend and I have them on my weekend, like they're coming with me. Yeah, I love that. That's yeah. awesome, man. Because they need me just as much as the world need me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so most of the time, they're like. Oh, dad, you're going to speak or oh, dad, you're going to do this podcast. Cool. Can we come? They want I want them to be a part of it. They want to be a part of it Yeah. because it gives them this exposure. You know what I mean? And so in the same sense with relationships, if I'm in a relationship with you, everything I do is not just about me, but it's about us. Yeah. So when I'm on the when I'm on the road, it's us, you know, or when you're with me at an event. Or I'm with you at an event because I can I can play the back role too. Like I don't have to be in the forefront. When I'm with you at an event, then it's your world, baby. Do your thing. You, you know what I mean? Someone to understand Kenneth Godbold and Ken. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and allow me to have emotional intelligence because there are some days when when I'm a crack mm-hmm. and things are hard, right? Like so over the past couple of years in Peoria, the majority of the teenagers and juveniles that died, I had one on one conversations with when they were incarcerated in our facility. So I didn't see them as the kid that had a gun or the kid that was in the gang. Like I saw them for who they were. 
I got to have deep, in-depth conversations about their trauma, right? So when 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 they're shot and and they're killed, and I go to their house and talk to their mom, or you know, I hear like it rocks me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, yo, I I talked to that kid. Like I had a conversation with him. I know he wanted different, but just didn't know how to do it or how to get there. And so that that rocks you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so like when I I I need to be able to be weak, be vulnerable. Did you have any? And we can we can skip over this if you need, but were there any individuals you met that hit you specifically hard? Oh man, actually they all did. So if you don't, if you haven't, no, I'm a go hard person. Yeah. So like when I'm when I'm in it, I'm in it, bro. But the one that rock, I would say the one that rocked me the most was a kid by the name of uh, Martez. I had just saw him at the gas station, and I was actually leaving to go out of town the next day. And I said, hey, when I get back. Uh, we'll go to dinner. So, but when I pull up in a gas station, he was with his girl, had his baby in the back, and he was like, "Hey, I got my son with me." He was so proud. He said, "Remember all those father conversations we had at the JDC, and how you talked about your daughters, and how you talked about just being a father, and how amazing it is." He said, "I, I really get to experience that." And bought his son out. I got to shake his son's hand, talk to him. He was so proud, right? Yeah. So before I even get back home, <laughs> like he dies. In a, in a shooting and so I'm like man like it, it rocked me yeah because I know now his son has a girl without a father right and I just know that the joy and the love and the peace that he had over his life when he was around his baby and his girl and you got to see him authentically as himself oh yeah yeah man in a state of peace for a moment yeah and the craziest thing about it is majority of the kids that are whether they're in gangs or not man like are genuinely good kids that are just misguided. I mean, survivor mode. Yeah, I get to, I literally get to sit down and have conversations with them, like talk to them about their trauma, talk to them about their life, talk to them about what they've gone through, what I've gone through, and to let them know, like, yo, it's possible, and it's hard. Yeah. But you know they want it, and sometimes for them, the only peace that they get is when they when they're in incarceration. Because when they're out, it's survival. And there, I got peace. Can't nobody come in there with a gun to shoot me. I ain't got to worry about shooting at nobody else. You know, it's interesting you said that because um, the person I talked to, the episode before yours that's going to air is with Angel Cruz. He does recidivism here in Peoria. Okay. And he talked about his journey where he wanted to be locked up. Mm-hmm. He did everything to make sure they put him in prison because that's where he felt comfortable mm-hmm. and safe. That he knew he wouldn't OD. He knew that he wouldn't take his life. And he tried. It didn't happen. Wow. And it's like, coming from my perspective, Mm -hmm. I don't know that perspective. Mm -hmm. And there's people that listen to this and they're going to hear this like, wait, what do you mean they wanted to be in prison? Mm -hmm. But when the outside world is just there and you feel like your back is against the wall and the only way out is to take yourself out, going to prison is like a God save. It's freedom. (laughs) But that that (laughs) sentence is crazy Mm -hmm. because that's incarceration is freedom Free- from your mentality mm-hmm. and from your free will to do what you think you need to do to yourself in the moment mm-hmm. whether it's suicide homicide whatever it's you, that is it's crazy right that's intense but where do they go i often say this like where do minority men go to heal prison or death they don't have an opportunity to really be able to heal out here in this world because if i'm in a gang wow. If if I'm if I'm in a gang and I'm <laughs> if I'm running the streets and I say you know what 
I want to get out of this. I might have done so much stuff prior to that that people aren't going to let me out, right? So even if I so even if I want to change, there's no place for me to go to change because it wasn't isn't what within the last maybe eight years and eight might be pushed maybe six years men's mental health became a a semi priority. It's not even that big now. It's just now people are aware of it. But like men's mental health week. Oh yeah, we don't like that's all we get. But I'm like. Like when people often ask me, and it's like, man, you talk about this just so openly. I said, I can talk about it because I'm free. You're at peace. I'm at peace, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I haven't I, seen you emotionally get like riled up yeah. yet because it looks like you're at peace with it. This is just oh, yeah. your story. Yeah, this is my story now. Because, I, I, again, I've done the work. I've done the, the, the healing, bro, that like really putting the time, the energy, and the effort to heal, right? I get men often reaching out to me, uh, coming to places where I speak and being able to have those conversations, right? Some some of the toughest dudes you would ever meet. Yeah. And they come and it's like, man, thank you so much for me being able to get this off my chest. You know, like some of the times when when I was at the juvenile detention center, like these kids would lose their friends, but was afraid to cry. And so when I would pull them out of their room and go to a separate location, and the first thing I would tell them, cry, get it out. And they would just wail, bro. But that's hard to do, man. Because Even to myself, yeah, that's hard. Yeah, because... I gave them the safe space to be able to to be free, right? I tell some of the girls that come to me for uh, the coaching, I often tell them, like, if a man feels like he is safe around you, you're going to win his heart. Because if I can be vulnerable and have weak moments, not weak every single day I wake up, but I have weak moments and you still love me through it and I can come in and have that process and that conversation with you, man, I, I need that. Because, yeah, you need that environment and relationship to be able to be vulnerable. At the same time, you also do need to control your emotions. Oh, yeah. Because your partner can't be your Mm-mm. your therapist. No. Nah, nah, I, I learned that the hard yeah, way. That's why, well, that's why I said weak moments. <laughs> yes. So it's a moment, not something consistent. You know what I mean? It's like, and not saying like when you and her are going at it, mm-hmm. but when you're out here, you're speaking and you're doing your thing and you see stuff that happens and you need to have that weak moment with her. You know what I mean? And you should be able to be able to do that. The only thing you got control over is inwards, yep. your emotions, your thoughts. Control that. Like one of my favorite sayings is it's better to be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Yeah. And for me, the way I picked that apart was I feel like it's better to control your own thoughts and feelings in chaos rather than to be chaotic in a moment of peace. Oh, yeah. So it's like, oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> like, well, all right. Have you had moments where you were able to really get through and help save individuals that stand out? Man, all the time, bro. Yeah. Like, when I wrote the book. Uh, Which I got right here. Let's oh, pump you, it out. No, man. <laughs> uh, pain, trauma, and suicide. How I overcame. Yeah. Like Kenneth Godbolt the third. Uh, yeah, man. So, I got to read this. Man, when I, wrote the, when I wrote the book, I said I wanted to be as vulnerable as possible. And I wanted to really talk to people and let them be able to read like what I went through, how I went through it, but also how I was able to overcome it. And so a lot of men uh, were reading the book and they were contacting me. It's like, man, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? Can you help me with this? And so we begin to have these dialogues, these conversations. And uh, I just remember a guy was uh, at the airport and one of the girls I went to school with, I guess, she contacted him and was like, hey, 
uh, reach out to this dude. He may be able to help you. So he at the airport and he said, I'm on my way home to take my life. And I dropped what I was doing. I said, hey, here's my number. Reach out to me. And he reached out to me and we talked. I said, today doesn't have to be your last day. I said, but if you give me an opportunity to work with you, I said, in the next three to four weeks, you'll want to live and you'll want to be able to be your greatest self. And he was like, no, I don't believe that, man. We got to working and I mean, he's running his own, he's running his own, uh, he puts TVs up. So he's running his own business now and he was thriving and he's living life, taking care of his kids. And we, and we worked for about six months, you know, and I helped him build that foundation to be able to, to carry that on. And I was like, man, like I was thankful for that because now he's going to be around for his kids. And, but we dug. And I, first thing I asked him, what you running from? Oh, nothing, man. Nah, we're going to dig. Like I, when I work with people, I want to know what was from the day that you were born to now, like what happened? Because when I look at your life, something in there is going to pinpoint and show me why you act and why you respond the way that you do. Yeah. And those are the things we're going to attack. Because if we can heal those wounds and change those wounds, then that gives us room to be able to change you for the rest of your life. So who are the people that did this to you? Oh, man. You were down bad. <laughs> oh, I was. Yeah. So uh, my therapist, if you're in the Peoria area, uh, Nikki Burke is my therapist. Uh, man, she changed my life, bro like changed my life because when I would go into her office, it was just a conversation and I was able to be real transparent. There was no judgment and we walked through everything and she didn't let me run from anything. Right. Mm. Um, the day that they were born, I freaked out because I said to myself when they were pushing them back, I didn't want to leave them. But when they put them in this room and you know kids come out all purple and all these crazy mm -hmm. colors right and they just then they come to their natural self like by the way that was freaky <laughs> <laughs> i ain't gonna lie to you bro. That was i ain't freaky. had the blessing yet oh so, man you know, when man. you get it man you're gonna love it bro <laughs> uh but it was i didn't want to leave them but then i was also scared because i said i have been entrusted with two beautiful babies mm. but i don't know what it's like to be a father i just know what it's like not to have my dad around and I was so afraid that I was going to let them down, hurt them, and not be able to be the man I needed to be for them. Did you fear you were going to become your father? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Like, take me through that, though, because if you <laughs> have the fear that you might become this person that was extremely traumatic in mm -hmm. your upbringing, right, that set you down this entire path, I think we can probably safe to say, if you don't want to become that, how do you be afraid to become that? Because when are you like consciously, because this is somebody, I, I battle this sometimes. There's certain individuals in my life where I'm like, I hope I'm not like that if I'm a parent. I hope I'm not like that. And I think I don't want to be like that. But then is it like a self-fulfilling self prophecy because you're saying you don't want to do it that you end up doing it? No, I, I think it's more of we do what we're familiar with. Hmm. And it was familiar for me not to, for my dad not to be around. And so since I know that, it was almost the easy way for me to take because if i take that way then i'll never know if i hurt them or not oh so it's like if you have a father who's alcoholic and then you go out drinking yeah 
Yeah. And I'm I mean, like, I again, be like him. I don't want to be like yeah. him, but then you're drinking. Mm-hmm. Because you're still mm-hmm. running from that. But when I was able to forgive him and go through that forgiveness journey and work on that healing aspect of it, I looked at it like the goal, the goal isn't for me not to become my father, right? The goal is for me to be the best father that I can be for them. It's the flip of mindset. Yeah. It's, I don't, it's not fearing what you become. It's mm-hmm. embracing what you will. Yeah. Huh. Because when, when you think about it, I, I, I tell people this often, man, like, I don't want to judge my dad. I don't want to judge my mom because I was not in their shoes during their upbringing. Yeah. So if I'm like, if I know my dad's broken and I know my dad's hurt and I know my dad's wounded, like at that point, anything I do on the earthly level is going to seem like I'm better than him. So is judgment coming from a place of defense? Oh yeah. You got, you got that defense up, right? Because it, it almost makes me look better, right? It almost makes me look like, man, I've accomplished something. But that, that's not the goal, right? The goal is to be able to walk. The goal is to be able to walk through life, like free, yeah. right? To to create my own family history, to create my own family uh, tree, right? Like I'm learning now about like generational wealth and all those things. Never was taught that growing up in the hood, right? It's survival mode, <laughs> you know. Uh, get by I, to get by. I've been spending two years working on my credit because growing up. All I heard was, I'll oh, just leave it on there. It falls off seven years. <laughs> Yo, right? why, why are people so like, ah, no, 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 no. Just, just put it in the box and yeah, yeah, you yeah, good. Yeah, you good, right? They'll forget about yeah, it. But then when you go to get that car and they're like, oh, your interest rate 17, 18%. Uh, yeah, and then you're like, wait a minute. I got, I'm, I could have did something else with that money. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I spent all that time like working on that because I'm like, I got to set up generational wealth. Like, I want my kids, 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 kids to be blessed. You know, I have the talent and the giftings to be able to do that. So why not? So instead of putting your time investment into worrying and what might be mm-hmm. like, no, no, let's put the groundwork into oh, what yeah. can be. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, man. man you, you ha- but you have to. That's, that's the difference of, of being free, right? Like, a lot of people, we judge people who've got felonies or going to prison. And I tell people often, they have served their sentence. A lot of us have been in our self-made prisons and we are still serving our sentences because we we haven't had a chance to escape and go through that life of freedom yet. The mental prison is. A, oh, it's worse. Hell. It's worse. Like I remember I used to have horrible anxiety. I think this is the first time in four or five years that my anxiety ain't been up to mm-hmm. like the 10th degree where I'm calling my best friend every day like hey bro mm-hmm. can I talk this out mm-hmm. now it'll be like four or five days before he hears from me he's like hey you good <laughs> I'm like yeah man I'm, I'm just chilling my dog right. like you know what yeah. I mean like but it's amazing I've been able to put in some work to get to that peace yeah. so like I, I kind of have some understanding of the peace that you carry mm-hmm. but still man there's moments where I overthink because I'm like mm, I'm hard on myself mm-hmm. yeah. when I misstep I'm like oh I should have been a little bit more wise but why though I don't know. That's a great question. Yeah, because you're going to fail. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm more acceptance of failure now, yeah. but up until this point, I was extremely hard on myself. Mm-hmm. Where any second I would have a misstep, in my mind, I'm like, I'm over, I'm overthinking, overanalyzing, like, wait, if I said that better, if I did that better. And now I'm like, wait, why am I doing that to myself? Mm-hmm. Everybody else moved on from the situation. Why am I still ruminating here? I never had an answer, but yeah. I'm like, all right, screw it. Let's go. Yeah. And then sometimes you just have to go to like what the root cause of that is. Right. Like why? So funny you said that like about a month ago, 
I had a conversation to where I had to stand up for myself in a situation. And, um, you know, you could take a boy out the hood, but the hood's still in there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> take a man from the South side. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like that aspect of us is still in there. And so I tried the nice approach. I tried the calm approach and nothing was getting done. And so finally one day, like I went off and I was like, yo, this is, how I feel this is what this is going on and, and I just launched into the situation and they were shocked right like man I've never seen you get like oh, that you had your metro booming moment yeah, that's what you had yeah. you so, became a villain yeah. <laughs> but then in that situation I walked away and though it changed their perspective of me to some degree I still went back and said I should never have to be in a place to where I gotta prove to you that I'm worthy of your respect because that they're they're not putting you in that mental capacity. Mm-mm. That's you. I am, and now I got to live with that, right? That I I allowed you to see me have a weak moment when I could have stood strong, no matter what, and all the stuff you just. But it's difficult. It's difficult, because man. Because we are humans who err. Oh yeah. We are humans who have emotion. Yeah. And emotion leads to insecurity. It leads to thoughts of um, just not adding up or mm-hmm. summing up to whatever other people's opinion of us are. Like, it's crazy when you think about, like, the capacity we have to do amazing things, but at the same time be that ten times harder on ourselves. Oh, yeah. Because, but the world does that now, though, right? Like, mm-hmm. we made it to where you make more money being something you're not than you do being yourself. Oh, yeah. You, right? You jump on TikTok, you say something Anything. super controversial. Yeah. Like, right now, who's the biggest thing? Andrew Tate. Andrew Tate's the biggest thing on TikTok right now because he says extremely controversial things. Right. But that plays. Mm-hmm. Like, what's it? Red Pill Society is the thing now. I don't know if you know anything about this. Uh, it's where be the man, man. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Where they're trying to put out this image where men are, aren't respected. But you got to be a Red Pill Society where all mm-hmm. these women are X, Y, Z. It's detrimental to our life. But, but the funny thing is, right? 10,000, 10 million people see that video. Mm-hmm. And they love it, they like it, they follow it, they share it, right? But if I get you alone, away from everybody else, oh, yeah. right? And we begin to dig and talk and think about all the stuff that you've gone through and you've experienced, I get the chance to see the different side of you. Yeah. Right? And so I'm going to use this to cover up, right? I'm going to use this to cover up. And I tell people, walk through life and don't wear a mask. Like, be you, right? I get more criticism for being myself. Of course. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so Because you're not a part of the pack. I'm not a part of the pack. But people run to it and they flock to it because they want the realness. It's interesting. Like, going against the groove or going against the pack, you create another pack or groove. Oh, yeah. Which is always amazing because people always want to feel accepted and comforted. Yeah, all my homies are healthy. Now, that's a flex. <laughs> now, that, as an adult, is the greatest line yeah. you can say. Yeah. All my homies are healthy. Not all my homies are wealthy. All yeah. my homies are healthy. healthy. Healthy, bro. That's amazing. Yeah, like my circle, we meet, we get together every Monday at, it's 4 o'clock for me. Sometimes it's 5 for them. You know, a lot of them in Florida, you know, and we talk, we chop. Hey, I'm this only single one in a bunch. But <laughs> we talk about like, hey, how's your family? You know, how's your work life? Yeah. How's your family? How's uh, work life balance? How's, you know, being a father? All right, cool. How's your business endeavors doing? Or, you know, somebody say, hey, I got this idea. And we'll we'll all think about it. Nah, bro, that's bogus. I wouldn't even do that right now. (laughs) Right. But we. That's amazing to have that circle. Yeah. We trust that, though, because here's Mm. why. 
I know that if something happened to me, like right now in this moment, I know that my other four homies are gonna make sure that they straight. Oh yeah. You see what I'm saying? Well, so they I, wouldn't be. They wouldn't be the circle. If they oh yeah, they, they won. You know, what right? I mean? So like, it's it's bigger than it's bigger than that. Like one of my homies uh, got hurt, and so we took turns like flying out to his crib just to play with his son and his daughter because he couldn't do that at that time, yeah. right? They they used to him just being active, and we did that. But that's our homie. His his family is is a part of what we do. You know what I'm mm. saying? And so, like, those are the people that I want to be around. I tell you, in moments of necessity, mm-hmm. the individuals that extend the hand, for me, immediately, that puts you in my circle. Oh, yeah. Because I remember I have um, one of my close friends, Enrique. He lives down in Arizona. When I was going through my medical stuff back in 2016, I was in the hospital for a month. Mm-hmm. I get out, and this is when Pokemon Go was like thriving, brother. Like, he, and he would check in every day. He's like, "Hey, what, did you go out walking today? You good? Ah, right, he lived 20 minutes away. I right, am on my way. Let's go catch Pokemon." <laughs> and I'm like, I, in the moment, I didn't think about, it, but now retrospectively, that I'm out of it, I'm like, "Yo, there's a reason he is in my circle." Like, we may not talk all the time, but when we do, it's a we check in. How's everything? How's all that? And I respect that man greatly because he took time out of his busy day uh-huh. to come walk with me catch pikachu <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but then, the value in that exactly. though bro the value in that though. and when you're able to do that like when you're able to do that selflessly i don't want i don't want nothing in return right i don't want anything in return i'm okay but you know because of that led to his marriage now yeah because he confessed this is crazy how the world works sometimes. He confessed right. his, he, he was really into this girl we went to college with. He was explaining, uh, he didn't know her name. He was talking about it, all this. I'm like, wait, you mean my sister? He's like, no, I mean nothing about it, dude. But like, he confessed her love for her. I'm like, I got you. Let me hear that real quick. Oh, now you they saw- married with a kid. <laughs> now they married with a kid. It yeah. was because of Pokemon Go. Yeah. And but you got him for life, though. Yes. Because he married to your sister. Yes. But that's because... <laughs> It was a random act of kindness, yeah. and he stepped in the light, and he fulfilled it. Yeah, and you like, yo, this, I would rather this dude be with my sister than anybody else. Exactly. Because, because oh, man. Because I know you got a good heart. No matter what you go through, I know you got a good oh, heart. Oh, so it's a win-win. Exactly. Oh, man. I'm saying. <laughs> but, like, that goes along with finding individuals. There's a saying in Spanish, dime con que andas, de día que eres. Tell me who you're with, and I'm going to tell you who you are. Mm-hmm. And I, the older I get, the more, and I hope your daughters understand this, too. The people you put yourself around will dictate a lot about your growth. Oh yeah, because and how you can you talk inward too. Yeah, because you can find people to cosign everything you're doing. Oh yeah, but Man, uh, like, you know, that's a yes person. Yeah, right. You can find people to cosign, <sighs> and, and you think it's okay, right? Like, but it's like nah. Give me somebody that's gonna tell me like it is. <laughs> hey like, man, that wasn't it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that wasn't it, bro. Like, like it's okay. For, like, yo, you that was horrible. Yeah. Right? That's a horrible decision. Oh, man. Right? I, I need that sometimes. You know, there's yeah. uh, the design, the community beat design, right? I put that together, right? And I went through 25 different designs. I'm, okay, when I tell you, <laughs> the amount of text messages I sent out to my inner circle, be like, hey, do you like this? Do you not? And they would text back, nah, that's trash. Yeah. Until we got to this one. And then they're like, ah, that was good. Yeah. But I love having a circle that allows me to ask opinions. And be vulnerable. Oh, yeah. You, you got to, though, as a man. Bro, I promise you. Because when, when we as men begin to heal, we change the game. Bro, we change it. When men heal, we change the game. I'm noticing that. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we, we change the game. Mm-hmm. For women, you know, because if, if, if that young lady is broken and her and I begin to have a conversation or say we're dating or we're talking or whatever the situation like, my goal is I'm not trying to break you no more. 
right? I want you to be able to heal, go through what you got to go through, and love you through that process. That's hard, though. Oh, it's it's tough. Now, again, I'm talking in a healthy way. All right. Ooh. What's yeah. the difference? Because yeah. have you heard the adage, being the first good love to a broken woman can be devastating. Yeah. But I'm saying in a healthy way, meaning that like she's willing to go through that process and she's not playing no games with it. Right. She's face to face with it. She's looking herself in the mirror and she's like, man, this is what I have to do. These are the things that I'm working on. Like, this is where I'm growing. And you're able to mm-hmm. love through that. Right. Yeah. If that if you loving that is breaking you, that's a difference. Right. You should be able to be at a place to where you're able to walk through that process and love through that process. When that love starts Ooh. to become hate yeah. for the things that she's doing, then you know you gotta ask yourself, like, yo, is this worth it? You know what I mean? Because That's interesting. you know what I mean? Like, is is it really worth it? Because at the end of the day, the goal is to be whole, right? Of course. In your relationship. And again, you're gonna have like every relationship have issues, right? Oh yeah. But at the same time, I'm okay with new issues arriving. I'm not okay with old trauma always ar- arriving. Keep bringing it up. And keep bringing it up. Keep bringing it up. Yeah. You ain't doing that with it yet. Yeah. You're still working through it. And again, as working through it means there are times that it, it it's going to come up, right? Like, so I went to my doctor one day and I was like, hey, like, I'm having flashbacks every single day. And she was like, so I, ca- I can't live my best life. Hmm. She's like, well, you need medication. I'm a black man. I don't need no medication. I'm not taking that. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then she was like, no, you need it. And so I started taking it and I be, I started having flashbacks like once a month. And then all of a sudden, like I'm in the gym, I'm working out, I'm doing those things. And it's, I still have them, but I may have like four or five a year versus you manage it. Yeah. Before versus having it every, every day. Medication in the minority world is, yeah. we're very skeptical. But when you get to understand it, it's just a process, right? Like, I didn't wake up one day and be like, ooh, you know, I'm going to be sexually abused. I didn't wake up and say, I'm going to grow up in a house to where when I was born, it wasn't my place to be born in a drug-infested neighborhood. Like, I didn't pick I didn't pick all that. Yeah. Right? That's just where I was placed. So I have to now go through the process of healing all that. You know what I mean? Is it my fault? No. But I can blame people for the rest of my life or I can heal and deal. And there are some things that doesn't just go away you know mm-hmm. like most people say well i don't want to do this or i don't want to do that and i'm like nah i'm an advocate for the minority community in that you know i had a kid the other day was like man i'm dealing with anxiety his mom was like oh boy you ain't you know you good nah he saw his friend get murdered right he's not going to be able to erase that right off the bat so even if he has to take medication now as he goes through the healing process yo let's do that yeah. because if you don't then we are going to be burying him one way or another, or he's going to be in prison. Yeah. So he's going to be burying somebody. Or yeah. We're going to be burying him. Yeah. And, and, but that's the natural reality. So let's, let's deal with it now. And most men are like, Oh man, you're right. I need that huh. because they get to see and understand like, yo, it's okay. And I tell people all the time, everybody don't need to know you on medication. Yeah. You can be the only person in the world that knows. It's okay. <laughs> you don't have to go and say, hey, look, y'all, look what I take. Less I'm, more. I'm open about it because I got that freedom to be open about it, all right? You don't care about it. I don't care about it. Yeah, nah, at all. <laughs> the only you get, you like, as long as my kids are good, yeah. I'm good. Nah, I'm my shorty's good. Like, life is good, and I'm I'm growing. Man, I'm yeah. straight. Like, yeah, I, t- hey, I take it every morning. I get up, pop, yeah. with some water. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Eat my, eggs, eat my eggs and grits, and I'm off to the gym. Yeah, I'm with it. <laughs> <laughs>
Hello, how we doing? You <laughs> yeah, know you know. Yeah, and they're like, you, you don't know, but bringing that freedom, you know, to our people that way, bro. Because if we begin to heal, man, it takes a whole, like, it takes a whole another approach to our community. When it comes to anxiety, what what are some what's some good advice you have for people that deal with it? Oh man, if you're dealing like, with anxiety, it, yeah. like I, I'm always first question I'm gonna ask is like why? Ooh, yeah. Like what is it, right? Because you can have social anxiety. I don't like to be around people. Why? Why don't you like to be around people? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, like I that's the question I ask myself and I ask people. Is I always want to know why because it can stem from so many different things, right? Maybe you got in a car accident. So when you're driving, your anxiety is super high, right? Like, what is mine? Yeah, my my anxiety kicks in after I make a bad decision. Yeah, why? I've always had this misguided concept of being perfect. Perfect. I've had to mm. not. So let me ask you a question. Into. Yeah. Tell me one person in this whole entire world that's perfect. Ain't nobody. So you put a false expectation on yeah. yourself to be perfect when you know. That's impossible for you to be. Yeah. <laughs> and then so that triggers the anxiety, right? Yeah. So allow room for yourself to fail, bro. I will tell you, in all my failures, the redirect, the blessings I've gotten, the redirections of understanding, that's not who I am, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. And the blessings afterwards I accepted that, oh, my God. It's, it's making that process easier. Yeah. But it's still difficult. Yeah, it is. It's all. It's gonna be a challenge. Yeah. But the more you make the right decision, the less anxiety you're gonna have. So when I fail, instead of spending ten days weeping and moaning about it, maybe this time I only spend five days. But that's growth, hmm. right? What are the techniques have you used in, in your journey? So I, I give myself twenty four hours, bro. Hmm. I got one. I give myself twenty four hours. If I make a bad decision to to grieve it and I got to get up the next day and I got to go for it. So I give myself time. Right. And then even now in my life, I I got five minutes to be angry about it. Five. That's it. That's it. Dang. You know, I put boundaries on that thing. Yeah. Because. OK. Yeah. I ain't gonna lie. You're going to make me mad. I'm mad. But if I'm mad all day, I just missed all those opportunities because I allowed you and myself to get me in a place where I'm at. Which ruins other people's days around you. Oh, yeah. Easy. Huh. Right? So, like, working in a community and being involved with the things that we have, too, like, it's not fair to my daughters if I allow my job to affect my time with them, right? I will say that's one thing. My father, my pops, I, I've, he's had bad days, but he'll come home and the second he opens that door... I don't ever remember this cat coming in. Oh, uh, yeah. He's always like, hey, what's up? Yeah. Happy as can be. And I'm like, dang, I want to be like that. Mm -hmm. And then he goes to the room and talks to mom and like, hey, you know, today was a little rough, blah, blah, blah. And he's go good. watch a show, come yeah. down for dinner outdoors, yeah. do his quote unquote paperwork. But okay. I think that's his time to yeah. grieve process and be like, all right. let's." But go. it made you healthy in that process, right? Yeah, because I'm I, to this day, I don't have an image of my father coming home and outwardly being you know like oh i work you know what i mean or like this guy like he'll talk about it but he'll just move past it right so so where did your desire to be perfect come from ah that's a great question i never really thought about it because <laughs> the last therapist i went to he just wasn't good yeah, like, it, yeah. and you're gonna find those bro 
Yeah, like no, no disrespect to yeah. him, but just yeah, he, he wasn't, wasn't your cup of tea. Like, I, <laughs> it's hard for me. Like, I know my 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 life is being the center of on the mic, right? Yeah, being the personality. But when it comes to intimate conversations, I need somebody to drag that out of me. Yeah, oh yeah. Like I'm like, uh, I don't know, <laughs> but right. um, I mean, my parents were divorced, married, divorced, got back together. Now they're married and they're good, but that might be from where it's at. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to be perfect, trying to be the good person. Not always causing chaos, mm. like my younger brother, bless Bobby. So, but this man <laughs> don't give a damn. He's gonna do what Bobby want, when Bobby want, how Bobby want. Right. And I, I love that about him because he's gonna live his life. Mm-hmm. But for me, I got the anxiety on the flip where I'm like, wait, is Ma gonna be happy if I do that? Mm-hmm. Is Pop's good? I overthink it. Mm-hmm. So I think that's probably where it's from. So do you ever ask yourself before you ask if anybody else happy? Do you ever ask yourself, are you happy with it? I'm doing it now. There you go. That's now the in Peoria, I think yeah. being removed from my family, yeah. allowing me to be isolated, to find solace in my alone time. Because I remember when I first moved out here, brother, like I was calling my best friend five times a day. Yeah. Or I'm FaceTiming Enrique or Jocelyn or, you know, Chip and Debo, my other close friends. And I'm calling them nonstop or I'm texting them. Now they're like, yo, where's Ross? I don't know. The phone's <laughs> turned down, brother. I don't know. I, I don't right. know what to tell you. Because you're I'm, grinding. I'm, Right? I'm just living. Yeah, you living and think about the freedom you got in that though. I will say, yeah. I used to have so much miles of stress on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. I still have it now. Yeah, but like the peace I have now because I feel like I'm walking in my light. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm. I have the respect that I've always sought, even though it's not from other people, it's from myself. Yeah, like I feel like I finally respect myself in a way, which is weird to say out loud. But it's good to say out loud. It is. Because then you get to understand, like, know your value, know your worth, right? Yes. So, like, when I'm traveling and, and I'm speaking and obviously, you know, you're in the music business, you have to send your writer off and, you know, they're signing contracts. You know what's funny is no matter what fee I throw out, they never come back to me with, I can't do that. <laughs> nice. Never. Because usually it's through word of mouth. Or they were somewhere where I was, and it's like, like you need to bring him in to talk to our kids, or you need to bring him in to talk to our staff, or you need to bring him in to this prison to talk to these dudes because he's gonna give it to him real. He's gonna give it to him raw. How's that feel? Uh, I love it. Yeah, because it's helped me to value myself more, right? So, in my life coaching, right, mm-hmm. I'm coaching a 15 year old kid, and his mom had to leave. We had his crib, and I'm getting ready to leave. And he goes, hey, you forgot your check. And I was like, no, nah, man, I ain't even worried about that today. Your mom's going, he's like, no, 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 I have to give this to you. I was like, why? He said, because you don't know how much you're helping me. And you don't know how much I've been able to overcome and get through because you've been coaching me. Mm-hmm. So I have to put a value on it. And so when I realized that a 15 year old kid would not let me leave his house, without making sure that I was compensated for my services. I slap myself now, right? <laughs> All the, and again, like I, like, again, I do the free stuff, like no problem. Mm-hmm. Right. You know what I'm saying? I love that aspect too. Right. I just, I love to be able to give back. So, but people begin to value that. And I know now. So when someone books me for something, I know now I'm in the right place, at the right time for the right moment. So I'm yes. ready to kill it. Yeah. Right. So when you put me in a room full of broken people, I thrive, bro. Isn't that interesting though? Like to flip the connotation of the phrase "kill it," right? 
early on, Killer Man, a completely different thing to you. Oh, yeah. But now, in this light that you walk in now, and the acceptance you've been given to yourself, and the ability where you've been able to give yourself the foundational love that you didn't have, now you're killing it in a different way. Oh, yeah. Ain't in a, in like, a whole different way. Like, so I, crazy. I tell people, man, like, uh, me and my boss was just talking the other day because an uh, 18-year-old dude back home got murdered. I'm at a basketball court, like a couple blocks away from my house. And I was just like, man, like it just rocked me for a day or two. And she's like, man, how do you deal with that? Like you come in and you're still doing your job and you come. I said, you know what? I said, every time that somebody closest to me uh, is shot or murdered or I said, I write on my wall. That's another 100,000 people I'm going to reach. So for everyone you take, I'm going to go get another 100,000. It's a challenge to you. Yeah. So like. I lost one, so I ain't gonna yeah. lose another. I can't. I'm not. No, I'm gonna go get these kids more, so that like their lives are changing. And that doesn't drain you at all. Nah, because you got to remember, I got two options. I can dwell on this, mm. right? Because as I'm dwelling on it, they're still shooting, they're still killing, they're still doing mm. this, or I can still be active. Again, doesn't mean I don't process it. Yeah. Doesn't mean that I don't feel it. Doesn't mean that I don't go through it. Doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. Right? Uh, was it? I think it was 2020 uh one of my little cousins uh got murdered and uh one of my first cousins so his mom and my mom are sisters and i just remember him always looking up to me right and when i left home went to college i always told him like bro i'm a when you graduate you can come to tampa you can come live with me i got you go to college or whatever but i had my own demons and so i wasn't i was in the middle of divorce, in the middle of all that stuff. And here he is graduating, ready to come. And so I carry that burden for a very long time. Yeah. You know, I'm like, yo, that's my fault. Like, cause if I would have had my ducks in a row, we wouldn't even be here right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I wrestled with that for a long time. And so like that, but, but that became motivation for me to get, to continue to work on myself and get myself right. So that way I can be in a place to, to be able to give. Man. Yeah. It's 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 a lot to process. Oh yeah, it it is. It, but it. when you've been in a place to where you've learned how to to process things and you it's a little easier for you. Right? Like when I was in the hospital and I told both of my patella tendons, I couldn't walk. But I still had my arms, I still had my mouth, I was still coaching clients from my hosp- from my therapy room. Why are you getting therapy for something else? Yeah, and they like, man, what's else? wrong with you? I'm like, bro, I ain't giving up. I'm used to the adversity now. This only going to make me stronger. Was that also a way for you to kind of deviate your thought process, help other people so you don't have to sulk in what you're going through? Uh, Nah, because I, I couldn't really focus on that. My doctor already said, you ain't getting up for the next three, four weeks. So, so I, mentally, you were just like, all right, this is what it said. I accept it. All right, let's put work out. Yeah. So <laughs> they were younger. So they're used to me playing and being active. So when I went to therapy, it wasn't even about me, right? It was about, I want to be able to get in the snow and play again, right? Mm-hmm. So I could play around and not do my therapy, right? Or I yeah. can get home, right? So when they came to see me at the hospital the first time, like, they were in tears because they weren't used to seeing their dad in the wheelchair. Well, I mean, I remember the first time I ever saw my pops break the Superman character. Like, mm-hmm. I got to see Clark Kent, as I like to call it. You know, we were at a funeral for one of his cousins. He was a firefighter, and they had a firefighter's funeral for him. Yeah. And the bagpipes play. And I remember when the bagpipes play, you know, mind you, my pop's mother passed away. I remember seeing him crying. He had other cousins pass away, brothers, nothing but this cousin. 
I just saw him break. And I remember I looked at him and it broke me. I was like, whew. It's tough to see somebody that you idolize have that emotion, which mm-hmm. is interesting to say out loud because he's human. Mm-hmm. He should be allowed at the should opportunity be allowed to, to have, have that. Yeah. But as men, we in society, we don't have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Or we feel like we don't. Yeah. Nah, but you got to make it. Yeah. Because we know what the, the outcome of it is, right? So when I'm talking to to juveniles that grew up in the inner city environment, I ask them this course. And it, it, it rocks me because I say, what? If you get involved in the streets, what are the outcomes? And they say, jail or death, right? And so then I ask them, so why are you still choosing the streets? So you already know what the outcome of that is. And yet you still choose to live that lifestyle. Yeah. Right. And I tell them it's either one, it's all you ever know, or you afraid. Right. So when I graduated high school, I was the first person in my family in 20 years to walk across that stage of high school. Really? Yeah. Like for me, graduation was when they put the handcuffs on you and you go to prison. So how did you understand the magnitude of that in the moment? Or was that later where you're like, oh, wow. I, I really years. didn't understand it. I just remember I was 12 years old and I came home from an AAU basketball game and my cousin said to me, he said, I don't know why you try so hard. And I was like, what you mean? He said, look at our family. Look at our family tree. He's like, you're going to be out here selling dope just like the rest of us. It crushed me because I had a good game. And oh. But when I looked around, he was absolutely right. He was right. So he's telling you as like a... Uh Accept it now or forewarning? Yeah, it was like, except, no, it was like, accept it now. Don't even try that. You might as well get out here. And you know, the funny thing is, after that conversation, I got out there. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I got out there because I was just making it out and and growing and learning and going to college and doing those things. Like, that was unheard of. You know, I've seen a lot of great athletes come through my community and have opportunity to go to Division One and never make it there. So what he was saying to me was 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 right. But I had enough but I had enough belief in myself to believe that there was a possibility that I can change that, bro. Let me ask you this. What do you think is more detrimental to the minority man's journey of acceptance? Is it the society as a whole not understanding us and probably putting us in a box or is it our own people that promote and propagate those ideas that hey nobody else did it so this is where you're gonna be crabs in a bucket syndrome Mm -hmm. what do you think is more man honestly i say both yeah because if you think about it that's putting me in a lose-lose situation because you're not finding comfort either way yeah so like think about it right (laughs) i'm in rooms often and sometimes i'm the only african-american man in there that's gotta be right and we're talking and we're talking about the things that are going on in the inner city things that are going on in the hood, things that are going on in our communities. And I'm the only African-American man that represent. And other people just have opinions. They have no lived in experience. Never lived it, never experienced it. Hmm. And so when I go in there, they're looking at me like, why you care so much? I've been told that. Why you care so much? Why don't you care? Enough? Yeah. You know, the craziest thing was <laughs> a dude told me one day, he said, you know, they don't change. You know, they're not going to make it out of here. I hate whenever people use yeah. they. And I looked at him, and I'm like, that they you're talking about is me, right? So, like, when I go... I changed, yeah, I changed. Like, yeah, I changed. I changed. Like, <laughs> when I was in 10th grade, I was reading on a third grade reading level, bro. Right? I'm an author. 
nobody can see my shock face, but yeah. I have a shock face. Yeah, I couldn't read. I have your book right in front of me. Yeah. I'm like, wait, is this third grade literature? <laughs> no, man. But here's the deal. When I wrote that, people wanted me to write that from a, a master's level. And I told them, most of the people that are going to read that book been in places where they couldn't read. So I had to, I wrote it in the way that they could understand it, know, grow, and heal. Right? I'm almost done with my second book right now. Right? I just, mm. yeah, so I'm home, I'm writing, and the next book is talking about now what? Like you've healed, you went through that process, now what? Because we get stuck, right? I believe, and I love what Martin Luther King did for us. He came and he gave us that physical freedom. But nobody ever came behind him to give us that emotional freedom. Because even Malcolm was all aggression. Yeah. Nobody came behind us to give him so that emotional. Mecca, was like, oh, yeah. Dang, now that I think about it. I can't think of anybody. Yeah. So think about it in a way. Like we were enslaved, so prison, right? Mm -hmm. A man goes to prison, say he does 20 years in prison. After he does a sentence, they say, okay, cool. Peace out. You're done. Yeah. Phones have changed. Computers have changed. <laughs> not only that, but you're viewed as as a criminal, mm -hmm. as, a, as a former convict. Yeah. Is but crazy as a slave, I'm free, but I ain't got no money. Yeah. I don't have a house to put my family in. So when they freed us, you really weren't free. Hmm. Right? You were still bound. You and so like, shackles yeah. off physically. So the key to changing our minority men in our communities is to now begin to bring that emotional healing to our people that opportunity for them to be free so now i have that physical freedom and i got that emotional freedom yeah. so i'm not out here trying to shoot at my brothers or kill my brothers i'm out here trying to love my brothers right yeah. and the craziest thing about it the hardest people in our community they want that bro like even when i walk around peoria some of the people that we may look at and say man like they're dangerous when i have a conversation with them i fall in love with them because I'm like, man, you a real person. You are a human. Like, I love having that conversation, right? Like, sometimes when I, I was just went to one of the stores on the south end the other day, ran into one of the kids from the juvenile attention. He's like, hey, Ken, thank you for coming by. We appreciate that. But it's hot right now. So do what you're going to do and get up out of here because we don't want nothing to happen to you, right? You were like the fourth person I've interviewed that told me it was yeah, similar. It's, bro, all the time, these kids got a level of love and respect in them that we don't get to see. It's, but when they get an opportunity to to know that freedom and uh, see someone living it, it's different. So when I was at the juvenile detention center, it was crazy for these kids hmm. because they're like, man, you got the same story as us. Like you got the same background. You've done a lot of the things that we've done. And yet you free. I want that. Hmm. And so in those conversations, hmm. I'm able to give it to them. But I got staff around me like, yo, why are you so close to these kids? Why not? Why not? Oh, well, you know, they're going to get out and do the same thing. Absolutely. If you put me in my same environment, I'm going to do the same thing as well. Like, honestly, I would probably be locked up dead or, or selling drugs right now. But I had a coach that would take me to their house at the football games. They had two homes. Right. He was a doctor. Mm. They had a house where they live throughout the week. And on the weekends, they would travel to this place called Ormond Beach, bro. I went to Ormond Beach. They put me on tubes. We're tubing. I'm a kid from the hood. Oh, I was like, hey, say, all right, sorry, you Midwest, so you don't understand <laughs> yeah, what that I was like, is. Tubing. Yeah, nah. nah all right, nah, we didn't have no little fishy floaties, bro. All right, nah, like you get in the tube, they pull you behind the boat, right? We're doing that. And then right behind the crib is dolphins. 
So here I am. I ain't never seen a dolphin. Oh, really? I don't think so. I, I don't. Oh, you don't never see you stuck in the Midwest. I'm man. saying, man. <laughs> Only thing you gonna see jump out of water? What's them little Asian? Oh, the Asian uh, uh, carps. Carps, whatever. Yeah, that's look, it. man. I, I'm I'm in the process of trying to find a sugar mama. It's failing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but they took me. I got. To, <laughs> you welcome. You know, you, <laughs> look, I got an opportunity to go like swim with dolphins, bro. So here that's I am. Dope. So I was like, oh, this possible, right? And then I had other people like I would go to their crib and they would like sit down at the dinner table and eat. I grew up in the hood. We had paper plates, and we used uh, the newspaper, sat down, and that's how we ate, right? Yeah. So it, it showed me something different. It was the exposure, right? I was exposed to other things to be able to see that there was a possibility, right? Like, so in my circle of friends, I'm the only one that's not a millionaire. Really? Yeah. So I bring the emotional and mental aspect to our group. Uh, I but... Yeah, but they are now showing me ways that I can I can get there, right? And these are brothers. Nice. You know what I'm saying? These are brothers, right? So I'm the only one in the group that's not not there. But I surround. I would never have been able to sit next to someone and say, you know what, I'm gonna be a millionaire. I mean, from 15 to now, the dramatic change, yeah, the transformation yeah. of the individual. And again, I'm not talking about just to be a millionaire to say, hey, I got money in the bank. Mom, that. I want more than that because I want to be able to comes because of what you've done. Yeah. I want to be able to go to the hood and look at a little young girl and say, Hey, what college you want to go to? Well, I want to go here. What's holding you back? Well, I come from write that check. Get out of here, girl. Right. Being able to being able to go back and support those families, being able to go back and, and, and give back. Right. Like, I don't know if you know Peoria to me coming from Florida. I think everybody's very, uh, territorial. We talked about this. Yeah, right. I experienced it coming from Chicago. Today. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. So for me, when they see me, it's like, what you want? Like, I like to do things and not have to get a dime from the people around to uh, to let them understand it. To let them understand and know one thing: hmm. if we work together, I want you to know that I only ask you to work with me because of who you are, not because of wealth or because of what you bring to the table. Because I already got that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's it's different. Um, we we did a youth conference here like uh, a year and a half ago. Zero dollars came from anybody in Peoria, and they looked at me and they were like, "Yo, how did, how were you able to do that?" I got some homies I called up and they wrote the check. Yeah, I need support. I need yeah, supported. And these are people that don't even know about the Peoria area, right? But they knew you. Yeah, they knew me. My eighth grade teacher is probably one of my number one followers. Really? Yeah, man. His name is Mr. Bianchi. Shout out to him. Mr. B. Mr. No, that's what we called him too. Mr. B. <laughs> no, but this dude, we put Minorities, him. Minorities, we always shorted it yeah. up, bro. We uh, always listen, get nicknames. Nah, we put that man through hell. <laughs> I was throwing deaths in the classroom, like flipping out, right? Well, you had trauma. Yeah, but when, when I did my event back in Florida, he came. And he always says this thing to me. He says, you were the most hateful student I ever had. <laughs> but yet, you're the most successful student I ever had. And anything I'm doing, he's a part of. Still follows me on social media. Like, uh, I just love to do right, yeah. and he bought up upon that change. So out of relationship, like, there's something you bring to the table, right? So today I may go out 
and the girls are not going to go to Elevate. I ain't getting on the trampoline because you know what happened last well, time. Yeah, 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 so. Let's be safe, brother. <laughs> yeah. You got things you got to do. Right. But, you, you're in your mid-30s. Yeah, yeah they're going to jump, yeah. right? Yeah. So I'm going <laughs> to allow them to jump and do their thing. But I may be at Elevate, and I may run into somebody that struggle with anxiety, right? You struggle with anxiety, and you booming, and you're doing your thing, right? So I may text you and be like, yo, I just met a little homie. He's struggling with this. I think he'll be somebody you could talk to and inspire. Yeah. You see the difference? I don't want nothing from that. Yeah. But I know that you're going to be able to bring it, change his life just by the energy you bring it, right? Well, it's creating community. Yeah. Together, it we can accomplish everything. Yeah. Right? But solo. Why? My name on it? I don't need my name on it. Nobody needs that. Nah. The recognition is there. The recognition is seeing somebody thrive. Yeah. When I, when I see you going, uh, so you had Carl Holloway on here, right? Carl, man, that dude is a <laughs> full person. I love Carl. Yeah, yeah. That so, dude was funny. So I actually, uh, I took him to Florida with me, man. And so I had a speaking engagement in Florida. I took him with me and he spoke and he was freaked out about that. He said, man, nobody ever like, you know, put me on there. I was like, for what? You bring something to the table, bro. Yeah. Right. Somebody in our community right now going to benefit from your story and what you got to say. He got story. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not going to be able to reach everybody. So mm-hmm. if an engagement come and I'm like, yo, you'll be better at this. I'm like, y'all might want to holler at Carl. Like that's, I'm. I'm not that dude for that. But you see what you're doing that in itself. You're you're providing another man an opportunity to thrive. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's been through the life. Yeah. Who has accepted himself, has been through the trauma. Right. Has fully understood who he was and who he wants to be. Right. And accepting who he is now. Like, man, Carl's journey in itself. He was talking about how his son broke through him on his second stint in mm-hmm. he's like yo we go to Olive Garden all the time right he's like yeah oh we go here all the time yeah so you keep coming back to prison is this is this a good place and in that moment he wow. was like oh shit like wait my son's about to go down this path that I'm down and he changed his life yeah but like it's those small things in this life things that we don't really put too much weight on can have so much of an impact on us yeah like people scream change, people scream freedom, right? People scream all of those things. Yeah. But don't nobody want to do the work. Because oh, no. the truth of the matter is, it doesn't look good and it doesn't feel good when you're working in minority communities, right? Because I can go out today and reach 10 kids and tomorrow another kid gets murdered. Everybody's going to focus on that one kid that just got murdered yeah. and not the 10 kids that changed their lives around, right? Secondly, you may never see your reward. And most people in today, they want to be able to see their reward, right? My eighth grade teacher sees the reward now of him pushing me, right? So I told you, like, I was reading on the third grade level. But I was always smart, right? I just had behavior issues. So, like, I would finish all my work and just distract the whole class because I didn't have nothing to do, right? So he put me in mainstream because he could see it. So I was in mainstream classes. Yet I had to report to his class because I couldn't behave. But the work that I was doing was I was above that level. But because of my behavior, I couldn't get above that level. Because they didn't trust you with yeah. the smarts. Mm-mm. You see what I'm saying? But now, like my book, he pushes it, bro. Like, Have you had that conversation with Mr. B? Oh, yeah. We talk, man. Like, no, he, like for real, like, hey, what what did you see in me? Yeah. I, I You know what? I never asked that. I'm asking that. Ask that. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm that, that goes. Yeah, I'm asking that, bro. Just because, like, from speaking with Hetty Elliott, right? Yeah, Hetty, Hetty, amazing, bro. Amazing. Man, went to her class, loved it. 
<laughs> and, and the way she talks is another version of like Mr. B. Yeah. She sees something in these kids mm -hmm. and her heart, man, the amount of things she's seen, been through, individuals she's lost, individuals mm -hmm. she's saved. Hetty mm -hmm. just spoke about how she just sees children that need love. Yeah. Kids don't see color, bro. Oh, we don't care. Right, nah, kid, even like your daughters here won't even know. No. You, you put two Latinas and then a uh, Asian kid, and they'd be like, "Oh, you want to go run and play tag?" Yeah, let's go play tag. Let's go do this. Yeah. Let's let's follow around. Let's let's lead. Let's live a lifestyle. Right. Let's just be kids. That's yeah. what they want to be. So, like I tell, uh, I'm speaking at man for manual teachers on Monday, and so the one thing that I often tell teachers that work in inner city environments, like they're not worried about your skin tone. They want to know your heart and yeah. do you care? Because the one thing about kids that are hurt and been through a lot of trauma, they don't trust a lot. But when you get their trust, it's over with. But you better be consistent with you. Yeah. yeah. When you get that trust, it's over with. Because now you've given me something I've never experienced. I've never known. And now that I got it, I don't ever want to let that go. Yeah. So if I'm acting up in class and I'm doing something and you come in, they're like, all right, I'm going to chill now because this teacher is here or this staff is here, right? Um, I went to a school in uh, Columbus, Georgia. Shout out to Eddie's Middle School, right? Eddie's so, school. Uh, Friend of the pod. Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> who was, uh, one of the teachers there, man, uh, I walked in and two kids were fighting. And I'm there to speak, but I jumped right in and broke up the fight, right? He's like, man, you all hands on. Absolutely. I pulled the two little kids in the uh, classroom and I was like yo what's going on one kid said something about the other kid dad who had passed away I was like so he fighting you because he'll never see his dad you get to see his dad that's where his pain come from and he was like well, I didn't think about it that way right the other kid was I was like and he's fighting you because he feels like you his friend but he can't say what he needs to say to you and express his apologies or sorry that your pa dad passed away and so now y'all fighting Right, they they dapped it up and went back to class and didn't even get suspended. Yeah, and he looked at me. He was like, "Yo, how do you do that?" I said, "It's simple. You just you just have to care, right?" Yeah. Like when we talk about success, whether it's adults or juveniles, I use a tree as an example. Right. Before you see the trunk of the tree, the tree has to you plant the seed. It has to be rooted. You can fake your personality. You can't oh, fake yeah. your heart. Right. It's rooted in you. Yeah. Most people we're focused on the shootings, the robins, the killings, the behavior. But you got to understand, there's a root cause to all of that. There's a root cause. And most people don't want to do the dirty work to get to the roots in people's lives. Hmm. But the people that become successful and the people that overcome are the people that you learn and you teach how to dig up their roots. Right? I love that. When you're in Florida, they tell you, hey, man, you like to fish? Yeah. Oh, man, I'm, I'm big on fish. I like to eat, too. I, <laughs> I haven't in a while. So okay. the last time I've been fishing was um, my uncle Hida. He passed away years ago, uh, consumed by the bottle. It's his life. But I would always go with him. So you get vacation tables. time here? I do. You get vacation time? Oh, man. We going fishing? We going fishing, bro. All right, let's go no, fishing. No, no, I'm okay. dead serious. No, you got my number. Hey, I'm I not going to not pick up. Hey, bro, no, we going fishing, bro. We going All fishing. Right, no, we going to Florida. We going fishing. It's, it's been a minute, man. Oh, I'm we going you, out there. We're getting it. We're getting it. I'm with it. Okay. Just let me emotionally get to that point. Because <laughs> uh, like, that's still something that I used to do with him. Yeah. So I guess that's a wound I haven't completely healed okay. yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because he was the first cat 
outside of my mom and pops who would always promote me big time. Yeah. Oh, that's Ross. Ross going to be great. Every baseball game, he's there. Every yeah. He's asked me about because I want to be professional baseball. Through my arm out, found radio. Okay. So I haven't gone fishing since he passed. Mm. I didn't think about it until now. Because wow. I used to love fishing. You just go hang out. So how's, I'm down. So how does it feel to have that dream and throw your arm out and not what do you feel now towards that dream? Acceptance now. Yeah. Because the good I'm able to do mm-hmm. now is amazing. Because that, that dream was selfish. That was mm-hmm. a selfish dream. Mm-hmm. I wanted... I got dedicated to baseball because of my parents' divorce. Mm. That was my way. I would, when they're arguing, doing the thing, I know my parents, they listen, they're going to hate the fact I'm talking about this, but it is. But it's real. It, it happened. Is. It is. So as they're arguing inside, I go outside to throw the baseball against the wall, back and forth. Mind you, they didn't want me to throw it against concrete because it's messing up, but I'm out there. I'm doing the pitching and all that. It's my way of escape. Mm-hmm. My sister had a boyfriend. My brother had his his father. So I was there. Mm-hmm. I would experience a lot of it. So baseball was my escape. So I wanted to be a professional baseball player to escape. Mm-hmm. And when that got taken, oh, that was trauma in itself. Because mm-hmm. this is something I was, ever since I can remember, baseball, 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 Ross, baseball, Ross, symbiotic. And once I lost that, oh, devastated. I started drinking in college, mm-hmm. gaining the weight, started hanging out smoking you know all the things that you ain't supposed to do because you and at the time my grandma passed too so wow. my grandma passed i lost baseball and then I, I got broken up with almost immediately so he had all those three things at the same time <laughs> mentally i'm just lost yeah i'm and, just smiling having and where do you go because well, you can't go throw the baseball right now no at that yeah. time yeah. i went to drink smoke hang out with my friends in college because yeah. that's what you do wow mask it right yeah like it, it's funny <laughs> it's funny it's funny you say that because um, I always laugh when we we tell these young kids in the inner city to pursue sports, and you know that's their only hope. That's the only way to get out, and and we know that only two percent, right? But you got thousands Even and thousands, less. yeah. You got thousands, 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 thousands of kids pursuing this dream that only two percent gonna make it, right? Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is. Athletes don't even make up 2% of the millionaires in the world. I'm saying. Right. So understanding the value because guess what? Even though you can't play that sport, you can still coach. Not right. That, but there's only so many CC Sabathias mm-hmm. out there that have that contract. Right. But you threw your arm out. Yeah. You just said that on the head, right? Somebody mm-hmm. listens to this podcast may be having an injury right now. They got to see you lose a dream and gain a dream. Oh my God! You dude. just helped thousands of people right there, I bro. Hope. <laughs> no, ain't no hope in it. It's facts, bro. It's facts. Well, I mean, like I was so lost, and my career was all happenstance, brother. Like, can when I tell you, like, I I was gonna go to, <laughs> I was gonna go try to be a Gator. Okay, actually, that Ugh. was cool. I know, I know, I know, I know. But I just I, something wrong with him. I, I, you know, a lot of things are wrong with me. We knows over here, baby. <laughs> if you ask Florida my State. exes, they got a list. Oh, you still. <laughs> Um, but that no. was then. This now, though. Right, <laughs> now right? we heal. We here, baby. Let's rock. About eighty five percent. Hey, the next girl that? that I date, man, she gonna get the world, man. You know what? The next girl I date, oh my god, but, I hope she's as healed as I am. Oh man, it's over. With. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. If you could meet me halfway, I'll take you the rest. Let's get it. But like, my cousin Charles was going to Lewis University. That's where I went to school, right? And as he's going, I'm like, I need a scramble. I need to find college because I didn't apply to nowhere else. He's like, come on, let's go. 
And the girl he knew at the time that was there was the GM of the college radio station, Margaret. Shout out to Margaret. I, I don't even know her like that, but she's listening. Margaret, I don't think she understands what she did for me at the moment. So she's like, let's go see the station. I'm like, all right, cool. Me and my mom, him, we're all walking. And she's like, oh, here's the college station. This is the first station I've ever seen. And I'm enamored by it. She's like, you want to go on the radio? Mind you, I am shitting bricks. Like, I'm like, well, yeah. this is college radio, but in my mind, this is radio. Right, right. right. And I'm like, uh, I, she cracks the mic, say something. And I was like, hey, it's Ross. Fumbled the bag. She's like, it's okay. That happens every first time. But then from that moment, that's when I had the bug. And then I meet individuals that are doing this, people that were teaching, but also teaching the right way that we're here to prop up the community. Mm-hmm. That leads me here to Peoria. But I wouldn't be here if I didn't lose my job in Chicago, mm. which I thought I was at the pinnacle. Yeah. But I wasn't over near. Now that I'm here and I got the trust, the respect, and, you know, the corporation behind me, mm. I'm like, oh, all right, cool. We could yeah. do some things. And then I meet people like you, Carl, Becky. Dope. Becky, oh my God. Man, don't get me started, bro. So, Becky. the best boss I've ever had in my life, Because you were key- PCAV, right? PCAV, yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. Bro, let me tell you something. Uh, the doors that she's opened for me in less than a month has been nuts. Less than a month? Yeah. But it's genuine, though. Like, it's... it's she has a great heart. The heart huge, bro. Yes. Heart huge. Amazing. Girl. Yeah. So, like, again, positioning, right? So, think about it. I've been here for, what, nine years now? So, I've been in Peoria area for nine years. All the stuff that I've been trying to do here, mm. I couldn't. I got with her, and she's just like the floodgates have been like. She's been doing to me. Yeah, she'll so, text me randomly at eight o'clock. Hey, I got five people for you. I'm like, send them all. Yeah. Let's go. Because, but you know that you know where she's coming from, right? And you know that like the heart behind it, bro. Mm-hmm. Like the heart. It's it's weird. Like I'm like yo, like, but it makes me go hard. Oh yeah, man, I go hard for my job because I'm like absolutely for you. I know you're a boss that cares. I know you're a boss that, like, got my back. That's all I need. If I know you got those two things, I'm going to grind for you. She, you yeah. can tell the heart ain't fake on that Oh, no, no, nah, nah, bro. You can tell she nah, care. Yeah. And she, for real. And she real with it. And she ain't, she ain't no BS either. No, no, no. The term that everybody tells me whenever I, I bring her name up is she's a badass. Yeah. Because she is. She's, she's a good one, though. Yeah. Bro, like. I'm, and she when, got the biggest of hearts, man. Yeah. I'm like, oh. And it's, it's one thing because you hear stuff, right? Yeah. It's one thing to hear something. But it's one thing to be there daily and see it. Day in, day out. Yeah. You can't fake that. Nah. You can put a mask on. Oh, yeah, for a little bit. But the heart going to shine. Yeah, the heart going to shine through. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's over with. So how, how is it working with her? I love it, bro. Yeah? Beca- yeah, I do. Because it's like I get to, to learn. I get I get to learn. I get to grow. Um, I get to come in and make things my own. Like, she's been loving the fact that, like, I have a good relationship with a lot of the kids in the community. You know what I mean? And so she's just been pushing me to go get them. Yeah. She's like, Ken, go get them. Like, you know what I mean? And there's, she's not stopping me. Right. And she's coaching and teaching me how to navigate through, you know, the political stuff as well. Um, so like, I get to understand and learn that because political yeah, stuff, yeah. yeah, I'm a, I'm a no nonsense, no politics type of dude. I mean, if you've been paying attention to the news right now, it's all nonsense. Yeah, 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 yeah <laughs> absolutely. Right, yeah, you know what I'm saying? You can touch any of that. Yeah, yeah, nah, nah. <laughs> the things get, like, it's like. Speaker of the house yesterday, this entire week, bro, I'm looking at like. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but, but again, those are the people that we are expecting to bring change to our community. It'll never happen, bro. The White House is never going to change uh, the South End of Peoria. No. Nah. 
people fail to realize but that. people in Peoria will be people in Peoria will change about whoever's it, right. up in it. Yeah, like they care about, like they know your first name or your mom's last name. Yeah, they don't. So think about that, right? We got the opportunity to bring the real change we want to see in Peoria starts now. Yeah, it starts by what you're doing. You're interviewing people that are boots on the ground running in Peoria, bro. Mm-hmm. Right. So people starting to see their name, hear their name, you know, and with your character comes their character. Because they know you're not going to put people around you that don't have a character. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's interesting so, you said that. Yeah. I had somebody that I'm booking for like in, in a couple of weeks, and they're like, you know, I just want to make sure, you know, this isn't one of those interviews that you can blindside. I'm like, who, who's hurt you? Yeah. I'm here to learn about you. Yeah. Like, it's like, well, you know, in case we talk about anything sensitive, I'm like, tell me what you like and don't like. Yeah. This is all about you. I ain't coming in with bullet points. I'm coming in with one objective. Right. Why? Who are you? Yeah. What's and, up? And when you do that, though, that that's again, that word that sticks out to me when you say that is that freedom, bro. Freedom. You got the freedom to be able to do that. You're actually being able to help other people be free. Right. So you got a man that struggles with PTSD, a man that struggles with anxiety, but yet thriving in their careers. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, if you want to go deeper down into it, we're both minority men from minority neighborhoods. I come from a broken family that got healed. Yeah. You came from a broken family that's now healed. You made peace with your mom and father. Yeah. I'm still making peace. Right. But at the same point, we're able to go from that situation. I mean, dude, I mean, the suicide attempts. Yeah. There's somebody right now that's listening to this that's contemplating it. Mm Mm-hmm. Or that has tried and failed. Or has tried and had some success, and now they're recovering from it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But the fact that hopefully somebody who's listening can hear the story, like it doesn't have to end. That's crazy because, you know, right before I moved out here, literally the month prior. So I got here April 4th or April 8th, uh, March, March. Yeah, March. I had a friend commit suicide Mm. and I I couldn't I didn't have the funds to go out there. Mm. I remember I always told her, man, my phone's open. If you need anything, my phone's open. But I never made it a point to make her feel trusted. Mm. Even though I I felt that she could trust me, mm-hmm. I don't. And I beat myself up to this day sometimes. I I don't feel like I made it a point to make her understand that I can be trusted. Mm-hmm. And I know that's not fair to myself. But I've no stop for a second. It is fair because what I learned from this situation. I won't take with me to the next situation. Right? Mm-hmm. So you feel it and then you heal it. You can't heal what you're not willing to feel. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like no, nah, like like you got right. you gotta feel it, right? Yeah. You you have to. And and again, there could have been there could have been so much other stuff going on that you had no idea about. But just based upon what you know and what you knew at that time, right? Yeah. Feel and heal that, bro. Because on the next go around you know, you never know when somebody is going to need you. And so, so you're open to that. Again, it is not our job to save people, but it's our job to give them the tools to be able to save themselves. That's crazy, man, because, like, Facebook memories this morning, the interesting this conversation come up. One of my favorite sayings is, any day above the ground is a blessing. Mm-hmm. And this was two years ago. She right. commented on it. Every day is blessed. And that, that hit me this yeah. morning. But what are those internal demons, bro? What are those internal demons she's battling? We don't know that. 
Yeah. Right? Like, I was thinking about it. I was acting up in school, being crazy, and people thought, like, I was just a bad kid, not knowing that I was locked in a room, almost set on fire, watched my mom get beat. My mom was dying from AIDS. And I don't know if you know anything about, like, the 90s. Like, we got talked about. We got picked on every day. You know, we walk around, kids like, hey, your mom the one with the AIDS. Oh, you can't come over our house. You got to eat out of paper plates. You can't. Like, so, I mean, it was some trauma going on in that situation. You know what I mean? And me and my sister. jokes, but assholes. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, nah, like, we were fighting because, yeah. like, that was our mom. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, but then, like, when she died, it's like, oh, I'm so sad. She gone. And I'm like, when are you the same person that? When are you the same person that? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it, it rocked me in that way. But I, I learned from it. Because the one thing I can say that I loved about my mom hmm. is that she was so open with it, though. Right? That's and that's why, that's why I'm so open with it now. And uh, it's so funny because when I went to college, there was a young girl uh, and her family, and the whole family was affected by the HIV-AIDS epidemic. And so um, I would be able to go back and, and give to that family. But I was open with it because of what? You know what I'm saying? Because of what my mom did to me, you know? And so uh, now, like, it, it, it's still a big epidemic on my, my heart. I do a lot of stuff behind the scenes with it. Um, and, but I wouldn't be able to do that if she wasn't so open with it, right? Kenneth Gabo the third, uh, the book right here in my hand, Pain, Trauma, and Suicide, How I Overcame. And what positions do you hold in the community again? Oh, man. So right now, I am the community outreach director at... Uh, PCAF. PR Community Against yeah. Violence. Yes, sir. And then I'm still traveling, speaking, and doing my life coaching thing. Hey. So. If people want to get a hold of you, how can they? I mean, you can go to my website, uh, yogiinspires.com. Yogi? Yeah. It's my nickname. I grew up. Yo, hey, boo -boo. Boo -boo. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Funny story. My dad's nickname is Boo Boo, so that's how I got Yogi. Oh, sick. <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for real. When I post this picture up right now, I'm going to post the uh, Yogi and the Bear theme yeah. song in the back of it. Yeah. All right. Uh, go back and listen to all the episodes. Thank you so much for giving us two hours. Look, hopefully you're getting what you can out of these episodes. We're having a blast. These kids got to go eat. So do I, actually. Yeah, I'm starving. Yeah, I'm saying. Thanks again, Ken. I appreciate you. Uh, without further ado, peace out. Peace.